Hi, thank you for joining us. It's Debtor's Advocate, where Nick and Harmon break down debt. Welcome to part two. To our previous edition, we were talking about bankruptcies. Right. This is what my 10-year-old thinks is the sole purpose of playing Monopoly, is to declare bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of getting out of the game. <laughs> so today we'll be talking about the second segment to the bankruptcy part where we're going to be explaining how the length is determined when we were referring to surplus income in the previous session and how the discharges are obtained when it comes to bankruptcy and what your duties are. So what you need to essentially do from your part in order to be eligible for a discharge from bankruptcy. Right. So surplus income. This can be a bit of a confusing topic when we talk to clients about how it's calculated what it is. I'll be very clear on what happens is the superintendent of bankruptcy sets a standard forever how many people are in a family unit. Now a family unit consists of everybody in the household that you're essentially supporting. Um, typically it's for children under the age of 17 as well as your spouse. So for each amount of people that are in the household, the superintendent gives a certain number uh, of income per month and says, this is how much it costs for a family to live on the low income cutoff scale. So it's not like they're expecting that you're going to live in luxury with this particular amount of money. They say, if you make this amount of money or less, you're considered low income, you would qualify for additional supports and things through the government. They use this scale for other calculations when they're calculating out, you know, Alberta Works or GST credits, things like that. So for example, a family of one, you're single, don't have kids, don't have a spouse. At that point in time, your superintendent standard is $2,243 per month. That's how much income you can make before you're in that surplus income category. And it increases for however many people are in a family unit. This number changes every year. So just from our perspective, it gets a little challenging us for us to memorize these numbers because they change every year. Uh, family of two is around $2,700 and so on and so forth. So what happens is, Every month, you'll be reporting to the trustee how much money you and your family are making per month. And then we're going to take that calculation and say, okay, how much over and above this standard are you? And simplified, half of that is what needs to be paid into your bankruptcy. So let's say, for example, we have a single person and their superintendent standard is $2,250. We'll round it up. And they make $3,250 per month take home. That's $1,000 over and above this superintendent standard. So cut it in half, 50% of that gets to be paid to the trustee to go into that estate, that pot of money that I was talking about, that gets dispersed to your creditors. In a nutshell, that's the basics of surplus income. Exactly. So essentially, Lucy, I mean, you know, we can talk about these topics for hours upon hours because it can get complicated, but that's why we're here. You can always reach out to License on C Trustee to help you out with this because that's what we do best. So essentially, as Nick explained, with the surplus income scenario, as we were referring to in the last session, if you're over the surplus standard, the superintendent standard that we were referring to, you're in a longer bankruptcy, which takes longer period of time to be eligible for a discharge. If you're below the standard, then it's a shorter period of time. Right. And it's an average over the period of time that you're in bankruptcy. So we're going to monitor this. If it's your first bankruptcy, we're going to monitor it over an eight month period of time. And then if you're in a second or multiple bankruptcy, we're monitoring it over a 22 month period of time. Ultimately, it's on average. So a lot of people ask me, oh, like if just for 
one month I'm in surplus. Am I now in a 21 month bankruptcy? No, not necessarily. Um, it's going to average over the entire period of time. So it's hard for a trustee at the front end of a bankruptcy to tell you one, how long it's going to be and two, how much it's going to cost because it's a moving target. It changes month by month. It all depends on how much you're going to make. I have no idea if you're going to get a better job or a second job or lose your job and neither do you. So ultimately when the trustee tells you how much your bankruptcy is going to cost per month, they're kind of doing an educated guess is the best that they can do. Yes. I mean, keeping all factors controlled, if we could somehow predict the future and come up with a number saying you're going to be making a fixed amount of dollars per month, yeah, we could probably, you know, do an exact calculation for you, but you know, if we could predict the future, there, I'm sure we can put those powers to other good use as well. <laughs> It'd be like Back to the Future, where we get that almanac and then win all the lotteries. <laughs> <laughs> that would solve, you know, a lot of world problems if we could predict the future, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's, they don't teach you that when you become an LIT, how to predict the future, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not not part of the program, just for you know, for future segments, but. Uh, Keeping into account, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's there's a certain expenses. They're called non-discretionary expenses that come into play. So as I mentioned earlier, it can get complicated. If you have questions, concerns around this, feel free to reach out to us. You can always call us at 403-232-6220. So we can always help you with that and answer those questions. And so other than your surplus income, over the course of the bankruptcy, there are certain duties that you need to complete in order to be eligible for your discharge. Now. There is a long list of things, but there's primarily five duties that you need to do if you're going to be, you know, eligible for your discharge yeah, coming Harvey, to the end. We should count these down like David Letterman's top five things that you need to do to complete your bankruptcy. All right. Well, how about it, Nicole? All right. Coming in at number five, <laughs> you need to do your income and expense statements. So every month, the trustee is going to require you to submit these income and expense statements where you show us how much money you make, how much money you spend, and you're likely going to attach your pay stubs and any bank statements attached to that because obviously we need to see proof on how much money you've made because now you understand that we have this surplus calculation that we have to do from month to month. Number four. Number four is you have to assist us as the trustee to complete your taxes, your personal income tax returns. So these are for the year that you file for bankruptcy. So that would be this year, 2020. And if you haven't done your previous year's taxes, you also have to assist us with completing those taxes. Number three. So number three is those non-exempt assets that we talked about in the previous sessions. So we said there are certain assets that are exempt and you get those provincial exemptions as well. But if there's extra money over and above that, that you have to pay into your estate, you can do one of two things. You could give your trustee that asset. We will sell it and put the money into the pot, give you your exemptions back, or you can repurchase that asset from the trustee. So you can say, whoa, 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 wait a second. I want to keep my car. Don't take it. I'll pay you the non-exempt equity in your asset. And number two, you have to attend to mandatory counseling sessions. The mandatory counseling sessions, we talk about budgeting, money management, reestablishing credit. They're here at the office or face-to-face or via video or telephone counseling. It's about a half an hour long, one-on-one, and we just help you reestablish your after the bankruptcy. Exactly. So those counseling sessions are where we try to step in and see if there's topics, things that we can help you with. So they are mandatory, but in the end, the goal is to prepare you and equip you with skills 
and tips, tricks to kind of if you're able to rebuild your credit, budgeting, money management, root causes. So we try to cover various topics. Yep. And coming in at number one, the most important thing, not the most important thing, all five of them are important, but number one of things that you need to do to complete your bankruptcy is you have to make payments. So ultimately, if you don't have to pay any of your realizable assets back and uh, you don't have to pay any surplus payments, you would have to pay nothing to file for bankruptcy. But somebody has to pay the trustee to do the job. We put in a lot of works into bankruptcies, so there are things called voluntary payments. So each trustee is a little bit different. It'll range anywhere from about $1,800 to about $2,200 in total to file for bankruptcy. And that would be over a nine-month period of time if we were talking to first bankruptcy. So you do need to make your voluntary payments to your trustee before you can get your discharge. Yeah, and so, but the great thing about this is though that these fees are minimal when you look at the overall scheme of things because these minimum costs are covering everything regarding the costs of those counseling sessions that you're being provided, any of the filing costs that come associated with it, the levies that a trustee sometimes needs to pay if there's it's, it's applicable. So there's various number of different charges, fees, on top of trustees fees as well that the trustee covers. So that's the reason why uh, we're required to pay a portion of the voluntary payments so we can cover the costs. And keep in mind though, uh, general scheme of things, uh, trustees fees are built into the legislation. Typically speaking in insolvency situations, you don't have to worry about coming up with large sums of money when you're dealing with bankruptcy because the trustee's fees are built into the structure. So when you're able to pay a certain amount for surplus payments that you're making contributions into your bankruptcy estate, it's going to cover the trustee's fees as well. So at no point you really have to worry about expecting multiple different bills for one to cover your creditor, one to cover other government fees, or another one to cover trustee fees. So it kind of incorporates that into one. So it really has been made easy for you as a debtor when you apply to make it easy to maintain and simplify the process. Right. And when it comes to trustee fees, like I say, all of them are a little bit different. Most of us live around the same ballpark. Again, like Harmon said, we're heavily uh, regulated and have legislation and, and ways that we have to make our fees and whatever ta- fees that we can take out. It's very, very strict on what we can and what we can't take out of an estate. But when you're talking to trustees, if you're shopping around, you want to ask them things. Some trustees will charge you the whole up front. Some of them will want to deposit depending on your particular situation. Some will charge a little bit more. Some charge a little bit less. My recommendation is when you ask them and they talk about their fees, ask them, what kind of service am I going to get? Who am I going to be talking to? Am I talking to an an expert right now? Am I talking to somebody who understands what's going on with insolvency? How many people am I going to be talking to in your firm? How many people are in your firm? How often do I need to report? These are all really good questions to be asking your trustee before you decide to file for bankruptcy. Because again, this is a marriage you can't get out of. Yes. As to add on, but keep in mind, but it's uh, uh, trustees do adhere to a strict uh, ethical standard. So as long as you're talking directly to a license on C trustee, you can be rest assured that we shouldn't have to worry about uh, trying to shop around for different fee structures because it's trustee firms are not like other models out there. 
where you may have to shop around to 10 different places to try to negotiate the best rate. So you don't have to worry about that. So it saves you time to say, as long as you're talking directly to license on the trustee firm, you are saving tons of time trying to go around to find solutions for your debts. Yeah, maybe pick the one that you're willing to run a marathon with. That's what I say. Find the trustee that you're like, I can run a marathon with you. <laughs> I agree. So, you know, we are, as we mentioned earlier, our role is impartial, but we are there along the way to help you with the process. So we are going to be there running the marathon with you when you look to the side. Exactly. We might be running slower, maybe panting a little bit because I don't run. If I'm running, there's a problem. You should run too. <laughs> Okay, so I think that wraps up bankruptcy in a nutshell. We kind of have gone over really the big points of what a bankruptcy looks like. In further segments, we might drill down on a couple of important issues that might come up in a bankruptcy. But ultimately, at this point in time, we'll probably move on, talk a little bit more about the consumer proposal, the prettier stepsister of the bankruptcy, and we'll talk about what that looks like. Yeah, so as we say, you know, that bankruptcy is not the only solution. And is generally the last resort that we fall to but uh, hopefully we've done our job to kind of break down the basic steps in the bankruptcy so you know kind of provide you with the tools to understand how it works and answer some of those basic questions that you may be thinking about if you're dealing with a similar situation as we know with the current times there's tons going on with COVID situation going on you know a lot of Albertans out there and even across Canada and in fact worldwide lots of jobs have been affected economy are hurting so it's a lot going on so if you're dealing with these similar situations as you mentioned don't hesitate to reach out to a license on trustee because we can provide you the impartial and honest information to provide you with the uh, information that you need because these are odd times unprecedented times where you do need to talk to someone who knows about what's happening and what's out there in relation to all the options that are available when you got uh, financial debt problems. So don't hesitate, make sure you reach out to Lessons on the Trustee if you do feel like that this is something that's applicable to you. Once again, you can always reach out to us at 403-232-6220. We hope you've uh, found this segment useful. And yep. subscribe on any of uh, the places that you listen to your podcast. So Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, or uh, Spotify, find us there under The Debtor's Advocate. You can find us on Facebook at The Debtor's Advocate, as well as on Twitter, and Instagram. So we'll have lots of resources and tools there for you, as well as you can take a look in the show notes for anything. We're going to have a little chart there to talk to you about bankruptcy. So it's a really good visual infographic that can help you kind of step-by-step look through what the bankruptcy process looks like. Yes. And as always, submit your feedback, ask us any questions that may be coming to your mind, and we look forward to hearing from you. We want to thank you for joining us on this segment. It's Debtor's Advocate, where Harmon and Nick break down your debts. Stay awesome, everybody. Oh.